Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege to welcome back to Talk Nation Radio, Kathy Kelly. Kathy Kelly has traveled to war zones and lived alongside ordinary people in Afghanistan, Iraq, Gaza, and Lebanon. She and her companions in Voices for Creative Nonviolence believe that the United States should end all U.S. military and economic warfare and pay reparations for suffering already caused by U.S. wars. Recently, Voices has helped organize vigils, forums, fasts, and nonviolent direct actions calling for an immediate end to hostilities that are driving near famine conditions in Yemen. Kathy Kelly is a member of World Beyond War's advisory board. Kathy Kelly, welcome back to Talk Nation Radio. Hello, David. Thanks for welcoming me. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for everything you're doing uh, with Voices for Creative Nonviolence uh, and uh, your assistance to World Beyond War. And it was uh, wonderful to see you just recently in person in, in Chicago, where you were part of, of honoring a, uh, a retiring uh, peace activist. Uh, you seem to be doing great work everywhere. Well, it certainly was good to be with the group, David, that heard you speak about uh, the many reasons why uh, continuing to uh, ignore the repercussions of war c- creates uh, enormous problems for us. Um, I, I, I certainly appreciate Frank Getz. You know, he um, read your book, and then after uh, when the world outlawed war, and then after that has dedicated himself to a steady focus, including an essay contest that he sponsors every year on exactly that issue of the Kellogg-Briand Pact and um, trying to better understand what the uh, demands of that pact can still are. Well, you skipped the part, uh, Kathy, where you were the one who gave him my book. Uh, so, <laughs> so if you're listening, never doubt that some little thing can can have good consequences. If you know a good book, give it to somebody else. Uh, give anybody a little bit of encouragement, and they may start years of wonderful uh, efforts. Um, and, and that essay contest, I was delighted to learn, is going to continue despite uh, Frank Getz retiring. Um, but but in terms of of the ignoring the consequences of wars and allowing them to roll on, there's no better or maybe worse example in recent years than Afghanistan. And nobody has been there more from the United States trying to do the right thing uh, than you and your allies, Kathy. And I was even there once very briefly with you. What's what's happening now in Afghanistan? The young people that we've met with are, of course, now moving into their 20s. I first knew them when when they were very young teenagers, the Afghan peace volunteers. And they have consistently said that real peace-making and, and, and some peaceable living would require livelihoods, because when people are so desperate for a, a way to survive, and if the only jobs being offered to them are to sign up with the Afghan local police or the Afghan National Security Defense Forces or some alignment with some warlord, including the United States, then it, it, it's very difficult to begin to imagine people living together peaceably. The amount of weapons that uh, enter into Afghanistan are, are a guarantee that fighting will continue. Um, you know, it, it's so interesting, David, in 2000. 18, the United States upped the amount of bullets it sold to Afghanistan 
eightfold. Uh, it, it was this, the, the most the most bullets sold anywhere in the world by the United States were sold to Afghanistan or or given to Afghanistan, and that meant uh, twelve point three million dollars worth of bullets. And you know, at first I thought, well, this is terrible. Here's a country you know on the brink of an all-out civil war with multiple warlords, and the United States supplies everybody with more bullets, but I think maybe I understand it a little bit better, and it, to me it's a really important story. In 2016 and 2015, there were reports in Newsweek and other sources that um, repeatedly soldiers who were part of the local police forces or even the National Security Defense Forces, who themselves were Afghans, would take the bullets allotted to them that they were supposed to use to presumably kill Taliban or other so-called enemy forces, and and they'd go out and shoot them up into the air, uh, not kill anybody with them, and then collect the casings, like the, the bullet casings, which had a lot of copper in them, and then take those collections of uh, scrap metal to the local scrap metal dealer and they could get money for them, and they were so desperate to put food on the table for their families, and their earnings didn't meet the family's needs, so they'd augment their earnings by selling the scrap metal. Well, I think that's better than killing people, but of course, for the United States, that won't do at all, and so the United States uh, upped the uh, a number of bullets being sent to Afghanistan uh, by an, an, eight, sorry, an eightfold increase in 2018. I'm not sure what will happen in 2019. And meanwhile, General Dunford just was in the New York Times today saying, well, we're not using the withdrawal word. (laughs) The evil word that shall not be spoken. But it is, so so in a sense, that this is an example of so-called military aid that actually turns into aid because they turn the bullets into food. Uh, but it would <laughs> had be, a terrible irony. But it would be many, many times more efficient, of course, although somebody different would get rich, if you just gave people food instead of bullets that they had to turn into food, right? Yeah, or started to seriously work toward rehabilitating the Afghan agricultural infrastructure. Right. Because, it, you know, I think so many people um, in the uh, world of, you know, gambling on what kinds of values can be extracted from other countries and what kinds of bets might be made on futures and so-called securities. See, Afghanistan is potentially a place where there might be a mining extraction that could go on, or they certainly see Afghanistan as a key place. I mean, when you look at the map of bases close to Iran, three of those bases are in Afghanistan, U.S. military bases. U.S. rings Iran with military bases. So it, it could be that to communicate to China and to Russia and to Iran that the U.S. military has a strong setup very close to their borders, the United States will want to remain. But really what would contribute toward a future for Afghanistan would be to develop the um, the agricultural infrastructure, you know, clear out the irrigation systems that are so filled with filth and sewage uh, plant trees as much as possible to replenish the orchards, replenish the flocks, and then, yes, uh, create uh, trades and jobs that people can use in order to feed their families without having to enlist in the Afghan security forces, which haven't bought security at all, but have instead exacerbated fighting and killing and bloodshed and trauma and mental illness. 
which in slightly different words was what I recall candidate Donald Trump uh, suggesting, that it was counterproductive, disastrous, should be ended, uh, although President Trump hasn't ended it. And you have a number of, uh, of Democratic presidential candidates uh, talking about ending it. Uh, and you have a House version of a bill passed uh, to end it that has to be reconciled with a Senate version that doesn't. Uh, what's it going to take to actually get it ended, not just elect people who, who say they'll end it? Well, I suppose the, the frustrations that are happening in the uh, dialogues that go on in uh, Doha and Qatar could um, possibly move the United States towards saying this isn't going anyplace. But I think that an actual end to the fighting in Afghanistan would require groups being represented at negotiations and dialogues other than the warlords. And right now, Everybody who's approached to the negotiating table is um, one or another form of a warlord, who have, and all of whom have profited a great deal from the war. Generals, because they get promotions in the United States. Companies, because they sell enormous amounts of weaponry and test out their weapons. Uh, again, um, bringing profits back to some, a small elite of weapon peddlers within the United States. But uh, you haven't seen the majority of the Afghan population, which is made up of women and children, uh, represented in any kind of negotiations. And we haven't seen the cares and concerns of people trying to overcome their differences very well represented. I've been impressed by the People's Peace Movement, the people who have walked from province to province, gathering people from different ethnic backgrounds and saying, let's sit down and talk and figure out ways to settle our differences without fighting, but but I'm sure they feel sidelined and isolated in all of these discussions as well. And, of course, the United States constantly dangles the um, U.S. financial support, which has not at all accomplished reconstruction within Afghanistan, but they they still are holding out the idea that if you cotton up to the United States, uh, then you might get financial support and a more secure future. Another place, Kathy Kelly, that we wanted to talk about uh, where people are making lots of money off uh, destruction and blood and and death and suffering is is Yemen. Uh, and you've made that a focus uh, in recent months. What, what can you tell us is happening there? Well, right now the um, separatist groups that want to secede from the nation of Yemen and form uh, a southern country, which previously had existed, there was a civil war in 1986 in Yemen, are, are fighting, and um, they're, it, it's a very complicated situation. They're fighting against the government being supported by Saudi Arabia. That's the government of Abdurrahman Mansur Hadi. And the Hadi forces are saying, no, you can't secede. But the ones who wish to be separatists and secede are being supported by the Saudi ally, that's part of the Saudi coalition, which is the United Arab Emirates. Now, you know, again, I lay much of the killing and bloodshed going on right now in the city of Aden and in that southern province to the United States for sending arms to so many different countries, particularly in this case to Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. And so they're loaded up with weapons. The uh, United Arab Emirates has been able to do airstrikes and 
get an aerial advantage against the Southern separatists. The Saudis are um, certainly not uh, looking forward to being in a collision with their ally, the United Arab Emirates. But the Saudis monthly get uh, shiploads of weapons coming from United States ports, the Port of Baltimore, the Port of Wilmington, North Carolina, and uh, the United States companies such as Raytheon providing uh, paveway-type missiles, providing uh, many different kinds of laser-guided missiles and planes, uh, Lockheed Martin, General Dynamics. Uh, these are the people who have, I, I think, been so criminal in pursuing ongoing war and, and supplying uh, warring parties with weapons. Well, we... And, of course, there's also now talk about a rise in incidences of cholera. Uh, farmers in the Sana'a province don't have access to clean water, and so they're using compromised sources of water. There are 10 million people still facing the potential of starvation, and the, uh, the, the aid that the country relies on is uh, indispensable, and yet it's, it's, it's so... Uh, freakish, really. You've got the warring parties, the United States, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, providing food aid while at the same time supplying weapons and training people to fight and kill. Absolute insanity. Uh, I, I I know that uh, there are peace activists in Baltimore who have begun protesting at the port there. I don't think they have the labor union uh, with them yet. I hope that develops as as has happened in Italy, where where workers have prevented uh, shipments of weapons uh, to Saudi Arabia. Um, but w- one place where some remarkable protests have happened uh, in, in the United States uh, is a recent plowshares action by the Kings Bay plowshares. Uh, and I wanted to ask your your views on that as well. Well, we just have learned that on October 21st, uh, the uh, after over 500 days, the Kings Bay plowshares will uh, go into a courtroom for a trial. We had about 100 people gathered as they went in to defend, again, their motion for being able to use the Religious Freedom Restoration Act as part of their defense. But the judge has written an 18-page statement and said, no, that's not going to happen. So, you know, that action happened in April of 2018, and Steve Kelly, uh, Mark Colville, and uh, Liz McAllister, the widow of Phil Berrigan, who was very much a leader in the plowshares, actions, developments, have been in a county jail, This the Glynn County Jail, ever since April 3rd, Mark having gone out briefly for a medical treatment. Uh, and, and that's a very, very hard place to be. Uh, those, those southern county jails have very little oversight. Their, their treatment of the prisoners is uh, a, a, truly a violation of human rights. And uh, the, the courts have been, I think, extremely hard on all seven of the defendants, uh, the four of them have had to wear what I call leg irons. I guess you'd call them ankle monitors, but uh, they're very, very um, difficult uh, apparatuses to maintain and to, to constantly have to charge, and uh, they, they subject people to constant surveillance and curfews. But now they are going to go to court, and, and they, they are very strong in their belief that um, the crime being committed is the crime of storing nuclear weapons on submarines under the sea, just one of those subs would carry 1,825 times the 
explosive killing power that uh, was unleashed over Hiroshima. And um, it, it, it's, you know, in our world today, discussed. Uh, it's, it's a matter of discussion that uh, smaller tactical nuclear weapons could be exchanged. You know, India has uh, the nuclear bomb. Pakistan has it. Um, Saudi Arabia is trying to gain nuclear energy. President Trump has signed off on seven sort of green lights to enable the Saudis to move quickly toward getting nuclear energy, and that then is with no oversight, none whatsoever, coming from uh, any of the international groups like the International Atomic Energy Association or the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. They're developing what could end up being a, a situation of the Saudis acquiring the nuclear weapon. Iran did agree to all of the stipulations so that it wouldn't move forward on acquiring a nuclear bomb, and the United States tore up the agreement and raised the economic sanctions against Iran. So it's, it's a very, very dangerous situation we're living in. Uh, and, and yet, um, who would be called a criminal? <laughs> Catholic workers who've devoted their entire adult lives to meeting the human needs of some of the people who fall through the cracks in society, who've been championing causes of civil rights and human rights and uh, uh, taking care of refugees and have risked their lives going to war zones to go unarmed into the war zones. These are the people who, you know, deserve our thanks and, uh, you know, a, a, a position as teachers in our world, and yet they're being called criminals. Uh, confined to county jails, they're wearing leg irons, and uh, three of them will arrive in shackles into a courtroom in Georgia on October 21st, while the other four join them for what I hope will put the Trident nuclear weapon system on trial. The courts don't want to do that, but that's our job. We need, I think, to create an alternative tribunal, more or less, condemning nuclear weapons, hearing from experts, and then also engage in what's called a festival of hope, a, uh, a standard part of uh, Plowshares trials where people express their commitment to the future and do it with dance and song and community. And how can people help with that? Well, it's good to stay in touch with the Kings Bay Plowshares 7 website, and they also have a Facebook page. Just type Kings Bay Plowshares yeah, into a browser, and, and one would immediately be in touch or get in touch with us at uh, vcnv.org. We've, we've organized, um, along with others, a, a walk from Savannah, Georgia, to Kings Bay, Georgia, a four-day uh, solidarity and uh, fasting witness most recently in August, and um, we'll certainly be helping to quickly now mobilize to gather as many people as possible in Brunswick, Georgia, to come to the trial that begins October 21st. So if anybody can be freed from responsibilities to um, go to jobs and take care of families, if anybody happens to be in that very blessed situation of being uh, able to make a move in October toward Brunswick, Georgia, it will be a, a fine gathering and a very needed one to uh, try to expose the truth about Trident nuclear weapons. 
Well, I hope everyone can help with that, and I hope everyone can advance the cause of the new treaty to ban nuclear weapons, as well as uh, moving Congress, if not the president, to uphold existing treaties like the INF Treaty uh, that the president should be impeached for having illegally withdrawn from, as uh, as well as uh, illegally transferring uh, nuclear technology to Saudi Arabia, threatening nuclear wars on North Korea and Iran, etc., etc. Uh, but one of the one of the things people can do uh, that I'm delighted that you are going to be taking part in uh, again, Kathy, uh, despite it being some distance from from the United States, is the conference that World Beyond War is holding uh, its annual conference in Ireland in early October, October 5th and 6th, with a rally uh, at Shannon Airport. And people can find out at worldbeyondwar.org uh, how to watch it or how to come. Uh, Kathy, what are you what are you planning uh, for us in Ireland? Well, I certainly want to go to Shannon Airport. I want to be in support of Tarek Koff and Ken Myers, who are being held by the Irish government since their March 17th uh, entrance into the Shannon Airport to draw attention to the Omni uh, airline uh, craft that transport U.S. troops have uh, undertaken rendition flights, taking people to areas where they could be tortured and uh, has certainly um, transported plenty of weaponry. This is all in violation of the Irish government's pledge to maintain Ireland as a neutral country and not to uh, be of service to um, countries that maintain belligerent wars. Uh, I'm also very much looking forward to all of the people who will join. For me, it will be a chance to reunite with um, Voices UK uh, co-coordinator Maya Evans and also with Hakim, uh, who comes from Afghanistan, and um, I'll have seen him uh, more recently. I'm, I'm heading over to Afghanistan in a few days, but uh, it's, it's very important to help highlight the perspectives of people who've been traveling to various war zones and can help us better understand the consequences, the repercussions of war. And all of the people lined up as speakers are people whose um, commitment to education and action has been superb. I'm also, of course, eager to hear from Edward Horgan, who coordinates the activities at Shannon Airport, and um, hope also to uh, hear more from people from Action from Ireland, a group I've long admired, an Irish group of activists who, um, recognizing the consequences of famine in Ireland, have tried very hard to reach out to people suffering from hunger and starvation and the consequences of climate change in our world today. Well, I too am very much looking forward to seeing Hakim again and all of the other people who will be there. And you know, Kathy, when I talk to people in Ireland who go around and, and talk about ending all war, uh, like I do in the United States and Canada, they, they don't get told, oh, we need wars, wars are inevitable, wars are natural. Uh, they, they get told that they had no idea, the Irish people had no idea that the U.S. troops were using an Irish airport or that they were still using it because they heard about it years ago at the height of the, the war on Iraq and assumed it had gone away somehow. Uh, so there, there seems to be a chance that, that, that if we just told people in Ireland what was happening, uh, we might have masses of support uh, to end it. What, what good do you think it would do the world uh, if one country like Ireland pulled out of, of the U.S. Uh, military alliances and, and stopped being part of the wars? Well, you know, we, we are 
certainly in need of a country to find the kind of spine and backbone to take that sort of action. And, you know, Mairead McGuire, who uh, really spent her almost her entire adult life uh, opposing weapons and wars. She was a, a young Nobel laureate when she uh, took an action to try to bring about reconciliation between Northern and Southern Ireland. And she's lived long enough, it's an interesting history, to see uh, Northern and Southern Ireland stop their warring. And now with Brexit, we don't know what will happen in the future. But uh, I think if if we can see the wisdom that comes from people who have um, championed the cause of stopping support for weapons and war and have had very fulfilling lives in doing so, maybe a small country like Ireland uh, will will be able to set the kind of example we need. But you're right, uh, education, 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 and, and the media, I don't think the mainstream media uh, will be of great help to these efforts in Ireland. I think there's a lot of emphasis on uh, staying close to the United States because people are fearful. Well, what if the United States got mad at us and we didn't have the tourism that we depend on so much? But I think if we can start to see that the United States is a, a rogue nation, an outlier, a, a, a country that has undermined potential for peace repeatedly because of being so governed by a military-industrial-congressional-media complex. Um, if, if one country would stand up, I think that could make an enormous difference. And I look to Ireland, and I look to Canada, and I, I know that that's where um, a next World Beyond War conference will be held in Ottawa, and, and I think that it's a good strategy to try to promote the idea of um, somebody rebelling with a, a very good cause. Well, we're going to bring a bunch of U.S. anti-war tourists uh, to Ireland and, and tourists from all over the world who oppose wars to Ireland, and maybe uh, Ireland will get the idea that there are other other forms of tourism. Uh, and and Mayreed McGuire, of course, will be there at, at No War 2019. Uh, people can go to worldbeyondwar.org to find out how to how to watch and learn and, and how to sign up to be there. Uh, Kathy, we have just a couple minutes left. How can people follow your work, get involved in your work, and support what you're doing? Well, we've been very active lately also in support for the flotilla, the International Flotilla to Gaza campaign. Uh, the U.S. Boat to Gaza asked us to work out a flotilla along the Chicago River, and so we had a chance to connect with many activists in Chicago who are uh, opposed to Israel's constant attacks against Gaza. And I, maybe I'll just say that in terms of climate and the environment, the, the equivalent of 43 Olympic-sized swimming pools worth of sewage goes off the coast of Gaza every single day because with the siege imposed on Gaza, People haven't been able to treat their water. They've been bombed repeatedly by the most hideous kinds of weapons. And yet we find that people in Gaza are still trying to form a community that can survive. So I think, you know, as we look to Gaza, as we look to Greta Thunberg and her school strikes, as we look to all of the many, many, many communities across the United States where people roll up their sleeves and try to put an end to war, we can kind of work toward gluing ourselves together uh, and and finding collective strength. So Voices does what it can 
We're at uh, vcnv.org, and we'll be very much focused in coming months on uh, both the World Beyond War Conference in Ireland, but also on the October 21st trial in Brunswick, Georgia, for the Kings Bay Plowshares. Very good. Very well said. As always, everyone should get involved and learn more. We've been speaking with Kathy Kelly of Voices for Creative Nonviolence. See the website vcnv.org. Kathy, thanks again for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.